Hello and welcome back to our Purpose podcast. My name's Lizzie and I'm joined here by... Paddy, yes, I'm back. Last time I didn't speak until about 20 minutes into the episode, I realised, but I am here from the beginning (laughs) today. And Lizzie, actually, um, funny anecdote about the name of this podcast do you want to regale the listeners with how we came up with the name (laughs) yes you may be wondering maybe where we we got this this name from but paddy actually called it purpose because i had sent him the purpose of the podcast (laughs) is this and paddy just took it from there and decided that that this would be our name Uh, lizzie had put purpose a a podcast to equip student leaders and i thought purpose was the name of the podcast (laughs) and we rolled with it and it works so uh onwards we go but here we are it's it's great this week to be joined by dave mc knee am i saying that right Dave? that's right yeah um, hello who is from england and is over um with us for equip leaders this week so dave if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing here in 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 belfast this week so i'm a church leader in england particularly i live in southampton with a uh, reasonable size city on the south coast of england um and i'm over this weekend speaking at a conference that you guys are putting on for all of the new cu leaders um in and around northern ireland and so the idea, I guess, of this weekend is to hopefully build up, train, equip, inspire, motivate those gifted new CU leaders for the roles that they are either just taking on or just about to take on of leading and serving their CUs over the coming months and yeah. And so I'm kind of trying to do that for a weekend, which means I get the, uh, the fun chance to fly over to Belfast, which is one of my favourite places and come to Northern Ireland, which is where I used to come on holidays every couple of years growing up. So it's kind of a, kind of yep. a nice nostalgic return at the same time. As I just Good, good stuff there, Dave, getting the audience on side um, <laughs> early on. <laughs> but obviously you're not new to student ministry. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about yeah the time that you've spent? Yeah, so I've, wor- I've been working for uh, like the broader kind of family of IFES movements for... Um, uh, well, yeah, just over 10 years, I suppose, really. First of all, as a student, I was a student at Southampton University and was involved in the CU there. And then after that, I did Relay, um, working with UCCF. I was based in Oxford to do that. And then I worked as a staff worker in Cardiff, um, helping support the CUs there. And then I was a team leader for UCCF across the southeast of England. Um, the southeast of England in UCCF terms doesn't mean what the southeast of England does in every other term. <laughs> um, it is places in the southeast, but not kind of the whole of what everybody thinks southeast and thinks London. I did the southeast, but not London. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been in- involved in student stuff and in student ministry and in CUs for quite a long time. So this is, in some ways, familiar ground working with students. In some ways, unfamiliar ground uh, being over this side of the water. And oh, Dave, as we've heard, you're you're kind of an expert on student ministry and working with well, students. Well, everybody, <laughs> like, I feel like I've been invited here, both on this podcast and to this weekend, under the premise of being an expert. <laughs> um, I guess you get called an expert when you've just been around for longer than other people. Mm-hmm. And so is that an expert or is that belligerence? I'd, I, I don't know, really. Experience. Kind of need to measure Experience. those things as a, yeah, experience. Well, yeah. Well, I guess judged by the end of the podcast, really. So <laughs> yeah. So, I suppose, Dave, as, as you were even just reflecting on your your experience with student ministry across these years, I suppose what what has made you sort of even stick with with student ministry? Why are you passionate about it? There's a whole bunch of reasons, really. I think the first and foremost is that I didn't feel like sticking 
with student ministry was like something I had to really work to do. I was quite happy and and continue to be quite happy in student ministry. It's incredibly fun and energizing. It matters in the same way that all ministry matters, like because people matter to God and the gospel matters to God. And so that's why ministry matters and students are people and the gospel is still the gospel. And so it mattered like there's a universalness to it um but also i've just i've never found myself going oh students still i've i've continued i think i kind of find the opposite that working with students is a really energizing place to be it's a high paced it's uh, kind of exciting people are keen to learn people are searching for jesus so it, there's elements to which i've never really felt like i had to stick at student ministry to keep sticking in student ministry I just enjoyed it but I think there there would be if you scratch beneath the surface some reasons why I do stick at it I had a I had a really awesome time being a student and being a Christian student and trying to live out my faith and share my faith with my friends I saw friends become Christians at university I saw friends who kind of were reached out to become Christians after university I saw friends who were new believers arrive at university and leave university way more mature in their faith and so because of that I want to see students today have those same experiences and so that is a kind of perpetual motivating factor of why I want student ministry to keep going and keep going well yeah I think that's definitely like true in my experience as well as it just being such a key key part of your life where you decide yeah where you decide what you're going to be ultimately as, as a person and as a Christian and I think yeah that's true for everybody who goes to university whether they know anything about Christianity or not and yeah. so that makes it such an exciting opportunity um, and I think one of the reasons why I did Relay this year was because having been in CU throughout COVID I, I felt like I'd kind of missed <laughs> some of the some of the opportunities that I would have had otherwise um, and it felt like such a good opportunity to kind of stay in the yeah. student world <laughs> um, for a while and also I just have no idea what I want to do yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, keep it keeping my options open and the spillover from that can be fun as well of like the stuff that happens in the student world often like it affects like the stuff that happens outside the student world. Mm. One kind of like silly anecdote of this was like, um, was how many times I've had conversations with people who are like graduates now who aren't believers and I've chatted to them about my faith or that I work for a church or that I worked for UCCF when I was working for UCCF and their connection point with that is something along the lines of, oh yeah, my housemate was in the CU at university. I was, oh yeah, I remember going along to these events at the CU, etc., etc. This kind of thing, and even I once had a a really weird one from um from somebody who a, a school student, so he was a sixth former, um, ringing me on behalf of a fundraising campaign for a charity that he was part of, and and I was like at the time I worked for UCCF, and I kind of said to him, look, mate, I'm. I, I know how you've been able, I know why I'm on this database but I'm very sorry to disappoint you there's going to be lots of people on this database who are doing very successfully and are in very successful jobs and are able to really substantially support your cause I work for a Christian charity and I think I might you might be missing the mark with me slightly um, and we just kind of backed and forth a little bit and he was saying oh actually I'm, I'm off to university um, next uh next year and i was like oh great well have, have a great time and he's like actually i'm going i'm i'm going to um go to this university and and when i went for the open day actually um i, I somebody was telling me about something the christian union do um have you have you ever heard of this thing called text a toasting 
<laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, well, yes, yes, I have heard of this thing called text to I maybe am more familiar with this thing called text to toasty than you imagine that I am. But um, I just think that's that's a great example of how student ministry isn't actually just student ministry. Mm. It has this great spillover. I think the spillover down to sixth formers is probably rarer than you might expect. But mm. how many times do you have conversations with people who are in their 20s or 30s? who, And it's like, oh yeah, I first kind of thought about Christianity when I was going along to the CU events week or I had a housemate at uni or a course mate at uni who shared their faith with me. Yeah, and, and for some people it might genuinely be the only touch point with Christianity they have in their lives. Yeah. Um, and I think like the amount you can almost saturate the campus with CU events is, is cool. Like one of the most one of the things I remember from CU was um, there was a, a meme page followed by basically everybody at the university. And during our events week, we made it on the meme page twice for like just spamming the university with flyers. <laughs> oh. um, and I think just that kind of being known on campus is, is like an opportunity in a sort of microcosm of society to become yeah. known by everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really exciting kind mm. of strategic position at, at the Christian Union. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I suppose, Paddy, like your experience with university when you're finishing uni, that was sort of when the oh, we're going to mention it, the co- the COVID pandemic was starting and everything. Like, how did how did you find it, Paddy? Um, yeah, I mean, like certainly moving on to kind of running online events and stuff, it was it was definitely challenging having all your lectures online and then trying to run evangelistic events online at times it kind of felt like pulling teeth um but it was it was yeah as I said that was one of the reasons why I why I was so keen to do relay and actually have the opportunity to help (laughs) um in a CU in a a way that I maybe didn't get to do quite as much in my last couple of years um and and that's been one of the interesting things this year as well is helping Christian unions in Ireland um is that the students have no experience running events weeks because that even the third years haven't haven't had one before yeah um and i think that's quite a unique position as well mm, yeah we're definitely still sort of feeling the effect of of leaving lockdown too especially um in student ministry i suppose like noticing drop-offs in in i suppose we where whatever our context is whatever that looks like for you listening that you'll you'll maybe see how your ministries have been affected by covid and and what that's looked like and like you said Patty, it's affected um yeah shouldn't ministry um for us in belfast and across across the island of ireland too i suppose do you have, like i suppose how what have you seen or how has this have been affected in in your context well i think that i think for almost all people in student ministry there's been two big effects kind of that linger post pandemic if, if we're able to say post pandemic yet um one is the like what you're talking about that loss of institutional knowledge and how many churches christian unions did things happen every month or they happened every year or things happened just like out of routine and we tend to think of in christian circles tend to think of routine pretty negatively probably more negatively than we ought to but actually when it comes to like running your cu or leading a church student ministry or something like that you realize that some routines actually are really really helpful just that routine of people knowing how to get some simple things done putting on events and a weekly meeting not being a kind of extraordinarily big effort to put on or or all these kind of things and a lot of that institutional knowledge has been lost it been and that institutional knowledge has been lost more in the student world 
than it has been lost in the wider church world because the rate of turnover in the student world is that much higher. So if you interrupt that process of one generation of students passing something on to the next generation of students passing on to the next generation of students, you don't need to wait a long period of time before you've just had this kind of utter complete draining of institutional knowledge from the entire of a kind of Christian union made up of three years worth of students. And so I think that's one of the factors that's hugely affected things post-COVID. And then the other thing is just that um, that young people have been affected by the pandemic and by the lockdowns and the restrictions in more severe ways and more different ways than lots of people have, particularly in just those that process of of growing up in and of itself. Like growing up is a is something that you can't do without experiencing growing up. Like people don't grow up by just learning about growing up. People grow up by practicing growing up. And so moving from being a 17 year old to a 21 year old, being a 21 year old to a 24 year old, is not just the passage of time, it is the the living out of that time. It's the doing things for the first time and deciding you like them and you're good at them. It's doing things for the first time and deciding you don't like them and you're terrible at them. It's doing things that were stupid and deciding that you regret them. It's doing things by accident that you decided you love and it was worth doing again. That process of just growing up was interrupted significantly for so many students and so that kind of that those are the students who are now in the midst of CUs trying really hard working really well but they have lost so much and if anything that's amplified when you're a Christian because um, discipleship is not just the process of the dissemination of knowledge and so when we're trying to make disciples through the pandemic and when it was kind of restricted to most of it being online and things like that we were able to do a lot of good like we were able by God's good grace to be able to use technology and communications to achieve lots but most of what we're able to achieve through that time is the the passing of knowledge from one place to another but as um as as James K.A. Smith writes we human beings are not brains on sticks we are embodied things that have much more to us than simply knowledge. And so discipleship is more than just the passing on of knowledge. It is walking with Jesus and walking with Jesus amongst other Christians. And that process of walking, whilst it wasn't completely stopped during the pandemic, was interrupted. And so I think those two things, wherever your particular context um, in terms of the pandemic is, whether you were in a, a city that was more affected by the pandemic or less, whether you're a university that had more severe restrictions or was a university that was quite anti-restriction, or whether you're, whether you're in a nation, whether you're in England or Wales or Northern Ireland or Ireland or wherever, wherever you were, those, I think, two things, the slowing down of growing up and the slowing down of discipleship, are really substantial and have been really substantial for students and so I think those are universal things that affect us post-Covid mm. and sorry I've rambled a bit but <laughs> but because of those things it's very easy to do something terrible as student ministers and that is to resent the students that you have in front of you mm. for being negatively affected by these things that have gone on and that's not our job I don't think 
It's our job is to empathise, to understand, to sympathise and to build up and to grow and to serve and to love the students who have been affected by those things, not to moan about mm -hmm. the fact that they haven't been discipled as well as they were in quote-unquote the good old days or that they have mm -hmm. been negatively affected by the pandemic. Of course they've been negatively affected by the pandemic. Our job is now to love and serve them as Jesus would love and serve them. Mm -hmm. totally. I suppose, do you have... Do you have any any ways we can we can do this? Like even in our context, like how does this how does this translate to our context? Because this this problem is is so big. Even you've been sharing. I was actually reading a Barna study the other day. I'm a scientist and obsessed with stats. And David, I didn't know you you studied science as well. It's very, I am very one exciting. of the rare scientists who makes their way into <laughs> Christian ministry. I find like you, yeah. you kind of hang out in circles like UCCF or like CUI, and you find that like everybody's everybody did history or theology at university and there's like kind of one scientist in the corner being like does anybody know if this data is normally distributed <laughs> and, and everybody else is exactly. everyone else is like what does normally distributed mean and you're like ne never mind never mind, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're a weird breed definitely um, <laughs> but it's exciting to see a fellow scientist and probably a, a fellow lover of stats in some way yeah <laughs> um, but yeah we were, i was actually just reading a born article that actually was saying that 56 percent of christians now um, feel like their their faith is entirely private um, mm. as they've sort of left the pandemic which is just so interesting seeing that I suppose even as we've spent so much of our lives online in this past year how yeah. that's affected yeah, yeah. our faith too but yeah I suppose as we continue to emerge from from the in this post-pandemic world what can we do to, to encourage our our students in in their walk with Jesus yeah um I mean, I think this might be the most boring answer anybody's given on a podcast ever, but the same old thing. Like, it fundamentally, so students, students, and this is true kind of with anything with young people, is it always feels like the most recent problem is a terrible problem. Mm. So, like, we kind of go, oh, you know, post-pandemic, people who are kind of just three or four or five years older didn't have to live through a pandemic at university or didn't have to live through a pandemic at school. How can we possibly, how can they possibly cope with the challenges of having lived through a pandemic? But you roll the clock back just a few years and you go, well, hold on, the um, the kind of, the moral revolution that's going on in wider society at the moment, we never had to live through this at university or the threats that there were to free speech, we never had to live through this at university or uh, kind of the era of social media and how that defines what your university experience is like. We never had to live through that at university. And mm. You just kind of roll the clock back. There's another crisis every few years. Um, and kind of every time there's a crisis, none of those crises have yet been able to dethrone Jesus. Mm. And so, in some ways, I just say, just keep keep doing what good, God fearing, Jesus loving, Bible believing Christians have done mm. with students, which is help them to live out their faith with fear and trembling, to love Jesus more, and to share Him with their friends. Now, that's not to to uh, kind of dismiss the fact that I think there is we do live in a current era where um, Christians may feel like your barn study refers to that sense that they they are compelled to keep their faith private mm. for a whole bunch of reasons more than um, they may have done previously I think there's there are and but it's worth pointing out that some of like those reasons are multiple and um, some of them are personal, some of them are social, and some of them are theological. 
So the personal ones, I think, is the kind of like the pandemic one. We've spent so many students have spent so much time, like in a small room with a phone and a screen, that it feels like faith is something that's inherently private because so much of your life is inherently private, and there's no grounds between private and global. So the only bits of your life that you want to make public are things in your life that you are happy to go viral effectively. And that is an incredibly small amount of my life. Am I happy to go, am I happy to project onto the internet because it could go anywhere? And so there's a kind of personal element to this. There's also a social element to this of we live in an increasingly secularized world and the kind of increasing secularization, what that kind of means by definition is that it wants overt Christianity to be pushed to the fringes and the personal fringes of society and so there's this social pressure a kind of unspoken a lot of the time but for Christianity to belong in the kind of silent personal world it's okay for you to believe what you want but but make sure only you believe it and actually only you know what you believe and then there's also thirdly and this is maybe more of a kind of convicting thing for us as Christians and us as Christian leaders and Christian kind of student ministers is there's a theological underpinning to this which is maybe we, we haven't helped people to see enough how their faith bears out in all areas of their life mm -hmm. and how actually you do what you do because you believe what you believe and that's a much bigger thing than a lot of what we talk about if we say actually you're just you and you're a you who happens to believe in Jesus and the only real outworking of you happening to believe in Jesus is that sometimes you talk about Jesus and do evangelism. But the rest of the time, you're either coming to church or you're doing evangelism. The rest of the time, you're just you. Um, if that's the case, then that kind of pushes people, particularly anybody who's got any kind of like reticence or any seed that is not utterly confident in their faith wants to go, I'm just going to keep my faith to myself almost all of the time, actually. Because the only time I work out my faith is in talking about Jesus to my non-believing friends. Whereas actually, you work out your faith in a million different ways. You work out your faith in what you think and what you do and what you feel and what you express and how you treat other people and how you treat yourself and how you view yourself and how you view the world around you. A load of different ways. And if we help people theologically to see that there is no area of their life that there is not an outworking of their faith, then the idea of your faith becoming an utterly private thing is actually just an impossibility. And I think seeing that it's impossible to keep your faith private, whatever you believe in, whether you believe in Jesus or whether you believe in another God or no God at all, it's impossible to keep your faith private and therefore it makes it much easier to go, okay, well, it's, of course it's incredibly natural for me to live my Christian faith publicly because actually I have no choice. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think like so often kind of thinking about with students or with anybody thinking about where we start with evangelism, how do we start sharing our faith more effectively? It actually starts with how do we live out our faith more effectively personally? Yeah. Um, and I think that's always a challenge, like, because, you know, it's it's so easy to slip into thinking that, you know, me when I'm playing sport or me when I'm taking photos is, is not, like, my faith doesn't affect that in any way. Yeah. When actually, like, yeah, it's, it, it should be fundamental in shaping all aspects. Yeah, how does your faith life. Fun really affect your backswing? Yes. Like, <laughs> and it, but it, that's not a simple answer. But there is an answer. Like, yeah. your faith, like, it should be able to affect your backswing. Yeah. Um, 
that's a golfing reference if you're listening to this and uh, you have no idea what we're talking about. But I guess on a, I mean, not to carry on that that chat, but about golf, just because I want to talk about golf. But how how would it? I mean, not specifically with the backswing, but how would it shape the way that you, for example, play golf? Well, okay. So I, I suppose this is, and this is a shameless uh, stealing of an idea of um, somebody else, really. But the um, we'll we'll reference in the comments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so um, when. When you stand over a golf ball um, on the tee, what are you trying to achieve? Like, is that is that moment an opportunity for you to prove to the people who are around you who you fundamentally are? Or is it an opportunity for you to kind of crush the people around you or be crushed by the people you're playing against? Or... Is are you standing over the tee, thinking um, this is an opportunity for you to for me to use um, the arms and the legs and the core strength and the motor control that God has given me as a good gift, and the environment that I am in, which God sustains by the will of His power, um, and all of these things are a gift from God, and therefore. When I stand over this ball, I am using everything that a heavenly father who loves me dearly has given me. And therefore, I have nothing to prove here. I have everything to enjoy. And so what's going through your head is a, just a fundamentally different thing as a believer. Or what, what could be going through your head could be a fundamentally different thing as a believer than it could be if you, in that moment do not think as a Christian and I so I think that's that can fundamentally change that can change your backswing anything can change your backswing then it can certainly have the power to change the way you think and feel and act as a student or somebody in student ministry in a kind of myriad of different areas yeah I think that's a, a real challenge that you can apply to any any area of life yeah um and yet it's so cool to think about it like that because obviously you're not always going to be consciously thinking those things you know, as you're swinging the club, yeah. or as you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, but it's it's having that theology so that that's that's what you believe and that's what you live. Yeah, I suppose, um, and that's like really exciting because of what that what that means for the rest of your life and the way yeah. that you live it out, and people will notice that. I yeah. think. And by the way, the reference, but that's basically stolen from Chariots of Fire. Okay. Like it's like the idea. You do, like if you're if you're if you're running a hundred meter race, are you running it to prove yourself to the world as a valuable person, or when you run, do you feel there's mm. pleasure? Yes. And it's, so it's fundamentally it's the same idea, just applied mm. in my waffle to golf, <laughs> oh, which it. feels much more Irish. Yes, than... yes. That that well, not quite the home of golf, but close close enough for four major champions. It's closer to the home of golf than it is the home of sprinting yes <laughs> I, th- I think i think that's i think that's fair enough i think i've just about kept up with the conversations as knowing absolutely nothing about golf so i'm glad you mentioned it through and patty's here the the resident golf expert in the cyt <laughs> it's great but i think that's so so important and just imagine how transformed students will be across ireland if they do see how they can enjoy and glorify God in yeah. everything that they do. Yeah. And I suppose how that, even from an outpouring of that, does affect how they share Jesus with others. Yeah, um, absolutely. And like, that's a massive thing. Is, is, um, yeah, imagine what it would look like to see that all across Ireland. For sure. Exciting. Yeah. I now want to turn the tables on you two. 
So, I've listened to the last couple of podcasts, like the good people who are listening to this now have, um, and um, I feel very bad because I don't have a book to sell this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, although all that I did learn from um, the interview you guys did with Dan Strange is that I now don't need to buy his book because he's just told me everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. Um Apologies, Dan, if, if, if you listen. So this could this could go really badly, and uh, in which case Paddy's just going to edit it out. <laughs> so um, something I was dying for you to do with, like, I suppose with the Dan Strange interview, really, because it was second after you'd done the Glenn one, was, um, and so instead of, you, you didn't do it, so I'm just going to stitch you two up instead. Let's go, <laughs> okay, it. so um, the premise in uh, that that Dan was giving you was that there are these uh, kind of magnetic points between uh, kind of anyone who lives in the world today and between Christianity. And actually that God has put those magnetic points there because uh, people who don't believe in Jesus in the kind of language of the early chapters of Romans are people who are suppressing the truth, but the truth can't quite escape. And so there, is, there are these magnetic points are uh, longing for justice, are uh, longing for eternity. Uh, uh, those kind of things are these like magnetic points that exist in people who are not believers because God has put eternity in their hearts. That's Dan Strange's kind of one of Dan Strange's ideas. Glenn, though, has this idea that, hey, um, actually, you're a Christian, but you don't realise it yet. You only believe as a kind of as a, a Westerner what you believe because of Jesus. So you only believe it's hypocrisy for leaders to say one thing that everybody should do and then themselves act differently because Jesus said you shouldn't act hypocritically. And you only believe what you believe about about justice and about fairness and equality because Jesus said that those are things we should believe and Jesus birthed the church and the church had this enormous kind of social and kind of uh, historical impact on the Western world. And so you, uh, you as kind of secular Westerners only believe what you believe as secular Westerners because of Jesus. Guys, who's right? <laughs> is, is, is Glenn Scrivener right? And that, uh, that you only believe what you believe because you uh, have grown up in the kind of historical kind of uh, like mm. Judeo-Christian world and those ideas have been passed to you through history or is is Dan Strange right <laughs> and uh, these things have been written on the human yeah. heart and you believe them because... I'm, I think I actually did slightly broach this with Glenn where, where I said to him, you know, because you hear a kind of apologetic argument about conscience and kind of... Um, the fact that people have moral codes, effectively, that's that's written on their hearts. That's yeah. a God-given thing. Um, and I mentioned that to Glenn, and and he he basically said that there's elements of truth in both. Um, so so there's there's elements of truth in the fact that we are aware of God, that we have a an, an innate awareness. We can't deny we've been given everything we need. Yeah. Um, but 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 that's been flawed by sin. I think is what Glenn said, and so therefore a lot of what we have is actually. Yeah, it's it's a it's a combination of both. I think is. Would you agree with that, Lizzie? Oh, that's just a perfectly politically correct answer. <laughs> yeah. Having both of them on our podcast, isn't it? it definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I think it's it's interesting to I suppose see both Glenn and Dan come in to share fully their their viewpoints around that, and that sort of gives us um, 
yeah, it, it helps us think through, I suppose, where we, we where we stand on that, but also how we can see that in our own lives too. Like, I think it was... Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, a real shame that our listeners can't hear can't hear how much Lizzie is trying not to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can really ah, see how team much team. she doesn't want to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Chris will just tell me off here if I, if I go rogue here and just... <laughs> yeah, but I think maybe, maybe to try and answer the question a bit more, looking at Dan's magnetic points, they can be expressed very differently. Um, depending on kind of culture or society. And so maybe Glenn's points are more specific to the exact time in which we're living in, whereas... Dan's were more like that's how they're currently being expressed, and that is shaped by culture. But actually, which would be which would make sense of because Dan's Dan's uh, like says himself that he's he's basing his book in, on what what Bavink was saying about mm. kind of his experience in Indonesia. I think it was, wasn't it? And mm. so it is a, like it has been translated from one society to another, and understanding mm. the kind of cultural yeah. um, differences there. Um, yeah. No, but I, I hope we've I hope we've given it a go, and, uh, <laughs> and we, we can have look. Dan and Glenn can come back, and we can have a yeah. there you go. Yeah. Do you think you should come along debate. too? I yeah, think well, they, 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 I'll, I'll let the people who actually know what they're talking about actually just have it. <laughs> um, no, honestly, this has been great, um, um, and it's nice to actually have the tables turned on us for once as well, Dave, instead of just just asking the questions. Well, there you go. You can sell a book next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have to have you back, and you'll you'll you can sell one next time. <laughs> Um, I would need to write one first, which I think is uh, quite unlikely. <laughs> yeah, thanks Thanks so much for joining us, Dan. If you could just um, maybe summarise what we've kind of talked about in terms of, yeah, just equipping equipping students for mission post-COVID. Kind of if you could summarise in a couple of sentences the things that we've talked about, living out Christianity and everything we do, um, how would you do that just to, just to round off the podcast, I suppose? I guess the, I guess the point is that um, look, the current generation of students have been through an awful lot. Um, but in actual fact, every generation of students have been through an awful lot. And that does not diminish the unique challenges that there are to student ministry right now. They are still unique, but there have always been challenges in student ministry. And some of those challenges will be particularly cultural or particularly individual, but there is also an opportunity for the church, for student ministers to love and serve those students by helping them to grow in their faith from, by helping them to make all of the mistakes of growing up in our faith that we all make, uh, making all of the right decisions of growing up in our faith that we all make, uh, learning what it means to repent and believe daily and learning what it means to know and love the Lord Jesus in a whole myriad of areas of your life, not just when you happen to be at church on a Sunday or when you happen to be overtly talking about Jesus to your friends, but in actually the kind of living every breath that you breathe in a way that is distinctly Christian. And I, th- I think that will help the students who we work with no end. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge that starts with us as student workers. How can we live that out and how can we help our students um, live that out? For um, sure. Thanks so much for joining us, Dave. And um, It's been an absolute joy. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see, you, we'll see you next time on the Purpose Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thanks very much. Bye.